Okay, so why are we liars? Um, because we said we weren't going to do Out of Bounds this week, and then we did it anyways. Now, does that mean we're liars or just dedicated people? It means we're liars. Welcome to this Out of Bounds podcast. I'm John Luck with Mary Evers here on a uh, what was supposed to be a bye week, uh, Thanksgiving yeah. holiday. We're supposed to take it off. Uh, but, of course, things happen, and here we are. Uh, you probably heard it in the cold open. We're liars or dedicated people. Yep. You decide. I think we should put that as a poll on the Twitter page. Are we liars I, or are we dedicated people? I mean, that would be a good toss-up. Uh, but <laughs> part of the reason we are doing a podcast this week is uh, because of the Boston Celtics, of course, you know by now, Gordon Hayward, uh, not going to be a member of the Boston Celtics coming up on opening night, December 22nd. Uh, mm-hmm. Looks like he'll be joining the Charlotte Hornets uh, after he opted out of the final year of his contract, which would have paid him $34 million. Uh, but before I tell you all the things that went on here, let's kind of take this in a timeline manner. Okay. Uh, starting out with Gordon Hayward opting out because this wasn't something that I don't think a lot of Celtics fans are shocked at. I'm not. No. I thought he was going to opt out. Um, I thought he was going to leave the Celtics, but I think there was always that glimmer of hope that maybe he'd renegotiate his contract, uh, go at this with a lower price tag next season, try and help the Celtics out. But it looks like he's going to just forego the $34 million, go to Charlotte and look for a fresh start there. I think basically what happened was, you know, it, it, I guess it kind of would have been nice if he had renegotiated and worked the money differently. But I don't think the Celtics were really interested in going much further than this last year with Gordon Hayward anyways because of, you know, I mean, I know it's mostly because of injuries, but he hasn't been helpful for the team at all. And now after this draft, their, their depth is you know, kind of staggering, and even the Red Claws have too much room on their roster, not enough room on their roster at this point. So getting rid of Gordon Hayward and then being able to secure Jason Tatum to a max deal was probably always Danny Ainge's main goal. However, letting him walk away and the Celtics getting absolutely nothing out of that is where the real issue is here, because now they have to pay some of that money, or that dead money in the cap. And because of that, in the, the Celtics cap room, was tight as it was. And then with the pandemic, it did not go up this year, as far as I know. So Danny Ainge really kind of screwed up here by letting him go for absolutely nothing. Because even if they had traded Gordon Hayward to wherever he wanted to go for one player and a couple of picks or two players or what, what have you, at least they would have gained back that $23 million towards the cap this year. Right, so that takes us to the next date here in this uh, impromptu Celtics saga. Uh, Tuesday was supposed to be the deadline where the Celtics either traded Gordon Hayward or he opted out and became a free agent. That got pushed back to Thursday. Mm -hmm. Now, the thinking was that he was going to end up involved in a trade with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, The rumor in that trade was the Celtics would give up Gordon Hayward uh, in a sign-and-trade situation, and they would acquire Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. Uh, but there were reports coming out, and it looks like it's more and more true as time goes on, that Danny mm-hmm. Ainge wanted to hold out for the better offer, uh, which right. would have been Miles Turner and TJ Warren or Victor Oladipo. That's um, it looks like at that point, that's when the Pacers just said, you know what, forget this, go do your own thing, and we'll try and get Gordon Hayward at some point. 
Right. Now, there are reports that came out that Gordon Hayward was offered $100 million contract by the Celtics and the Pacers. Mm -hmm. uh, so he signs a four-year deal with Charlotte. This happened um, a couple days ago. And now I think there's just kind of this thought of where do the Celtics go from here right. and how much did Danny Ainge screw this up? Because I think we have differing views as far as uh, Danny Ainge is concerned. Well, I mean, obviously, I the way it was handled, I don't think it was, was fantastic. But I also put a lot of fault in all of this onto Gordon Hayward for clearly wanting a lot more money than I think he's worth. I think Charlotte is severely overpaying for Gordon Hayward. And I don't think Gordon Hayward's going to be a piece to that team that's going to push them over in it over the edge because realistically, who else do they have? Terry Rozier and they just drafted one of the ball kids. Like I don't even remember which one it is because there's three of them. And I I just the fact that they that Michael Jordan thought that Gordon Hayward was worth that kind of money after what has happened with him the last three years, he's one, easily one of the most fragile players in the league. I mean, basically, he's the J.D. Drew of the Boston Celtics for the last three years. So I just I, – I don't know what was going through Michael Jordan's head when he thought, yeah, you know what, I'm going to definitely approve this deal. But you can't blame – Gordon Hayward for taking the money if it's offered to him like yeah I'm sure he did want to go to home go home to Indiana and by all reports his family's been there since basically the bubble started so that's really where they thought he was going to end up but how do you turn down 120 minute million dollars for four years when you're most likely going to be on the bench for at least three of those years well here's the thing here's a supporting cast around uh, Gordon Hayward in Charlotte right now uh, Devontae Graham, Graham starting at point guard. Lamella Ball, who you alluded to earlier, will be the backup point guard, it looks like. Uh, Terry Rozier starting at the uh, shooting guard spot. Gordon Hayward, the small forward. P.J. Washington, I have no idea who he is, uh, will be the power forward. And Cody Zeller is expected to be the center. Now, here's the thing. Gordon Hayward was in Boston, a top six or seven media market as far as mm -hmm. um, fan interest is concerned. Charlotte yeah. is probably near the bottom, I would think. No, absolutely not. So the the only thing that Charlotte's ever been, like, had attention for in the past recently is Kemba Walker, who, by the way, is on the Celtics now. So I don't understand what his thought process with that was. Well, this is kind of playing with house money because if Gordon Hayward stays in Boston, he's going to have the fans coming after him, the media coming after him mm -hmm. after another subpar season. Right. If he goes to Indiana, yes, it's going to be a homecoming, but – Let's not forget that Indiana is still a playoff team. Oh, they sure. They're a top five playoff team the past yeah. two seasons. At some point in the next two or three years, if the Pacers continue to miss the playoffs or finish, you know, in a one-and-done situation, they're going to yeah. get on the players. So Gordon Hayward going to Charlotte, I think, provides him that fresh start that he needs. Right. And listen, his time in Boston is always going to go down as a snake-bitten time. Obviously, yeah. you had the god-awful injury back in 2017 and 18. Uh, the next season, he averaged just about 12 points a game, and last season averaged about 18 points a game. Yeah. To me, the true Gordon Hayward is what we saw in Utah uh, yeah. between 2013 and 2015. Call it about 19, 20 points a night. Provides you a couple of three-pointers. Uh, he can play a little bit of defense, but to me, Gordon Hayward's time in Boston was just Gordon Hayward getting in the head of Gordon Hayward. Yeah, no, I, 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 some people just can't handle a big market. You know, they just cannot survive in a place like Boston or New York or Philadelphia or even Los Angeles. So I, 
it's, you know, it's like very similar to what happened with David Price and the Red Sox. You know, he got criticized and kind of didn't take it well and wasn't able to just kind of roll with the punches. Because we've seen plenty of players for all of the big four teams in this in this city or, well, New England area, basically, that have been criticized for having bad seasons, but haven't let it got to them and made them want to leave town. And may, it, in fact, it makes them want to be better. And that just wasn't the case with Gordon Hayward. And now, obviously, you know, for Gordon Hayward, I think, at least I think what happened this past weekend made it obvious, maybe the money's more important than winning a championship. Because let's face it, he's probably not going to win a championship with Charlotte. It's just not going to happen. I mean, there's, like you said, I mean, obviously they had a top pick this year and I'm sure LaMelo Ball will be a great player because, you know, he was one of the third highest pick, I believe, or whatever it was. But, (laughs) but I don't, but Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, and whoever those other people you said, um, (laughs) I think PJ Washington just might be like a pseudonym for PJ Walker, who's just like knows Teddy Bridgewater will be coming back. So he's going to go from the Panthers to the, to the Hornets real quick. Still unbeaten. Well, you know, Um, but they're not going to win a championship. So obviously winning a championship wasn't important to Gordon Hayward, and which makes me believe he shouldn't have been on the Celtics to begin with anyways, because this is a Boston Celtics. They're tied for the most championships in the, in the NBA, which means that winning is important to them more so than literally anything else. So here's my counterpoint to that. Gordon Hayward came here in, what did I say, 2016, 17? Yeah, yeah 2017. Yeah. You think about the team that he had around him going into that opening night before he had his like turn the other way. Mm-hmm. It was Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, Aaron Baines, and I believe Jalen Brown was starting at that point. But yeah. um, still, nonetheless, Hayward's injury happens. Mm-hmm. Kyrie goes down with a knee injury about halfway, three-quarters of the way through the season. Right. At that point, that's when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown started to step up as contributors. Right. I think at that point, that's when Gordon Hayward's role with the Celtics started to shrink down. I still say, right. and I will continue to say, that Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2018 was probably the worst thing to happen to the Celtics as far as team chemistry goes. Because right. you look at that game, and you saw that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they can be part of an Eastern Conference Finals team. Right. Okay, now, whether Kyrie was there, maybe they could have gone to the finals. Who knows? We'll never know the answer to that question. Right. But that season really shrunk down, I think, what Gordon Hayward meant to this basketball right. team. Because he comes back the next season. That's about rehabbing the uh, ankle, trying to get everything back together. Then last season, he goes ahead and he has these um, – Blips as far as activity where he starts to be a real contributor to this team unfortunately right. that's followed up with an ankle injury a hand injury a mm-hmm. head injury a shoulder injury unfortunately he's just going to be known as a snake bit player yeah. it's unfortunate because i think gordon hayward could have been a true contributor to the celtics but unfortunately sure. it just goes down to that one night in cleveland i think for his career in boston Right. And I think that what happened in that game that you that we're talking about, the, that game seven, the Eastern Conference Championship, be, seeing Jason Tatum, who was at that point a first year rookie and Jalen Brown, who was a second year player, be able to go out there and hold their own against a LeBron James led team going seven games in the Eastern Conference final 
the entire Celtics fan base looked at that and said, this is our future. And these are the guys that we're excited about. Yeah. It was unfortunate to what happened to Gordon Hayward. And I'm sure at that point, a lot of us were still really hopeful that Kyrie Irving could be that third piece that got them over the top. But you know, it's just, it's, it's so important that, that that game was so important to prove to us that these are the two guys that we're going forward with. And luckily, even after all this, all the crap that happened with Kyrie and now all the crap that's happening with Gordon Hayward, we still have those guys. And, you know, obviously Jason Tatum signed to an extension for a max deal with the Celtics, proving that Danny Ainge is really committed to building this team around Jason Tatum. Yeah. Jason Tatum signing a $195 million extension. We'll get to that in a little bit. <clears throat> but st- uh, sticking with Gordon Hayward here and Danny Ainge, continue on, continuing on with this timeline, uh, Gordon Hayward signing with the Hornets, as we mentioned, for the next four seasons. Uh, but Danny Ainge still wants to try and work out a sign-and-trade with the Charlotte right. Hornets. Um, now, sign-and-trade aside here, let's talk about Danny Ainge as a general manager because okay. he's been very hot and cold and mm-hmm. very polarizing, I think, with some of his decisions. Sure. So. I think the way to phrase this question is five years after Danny Ainge is done with the Celtics in whatever role, you know, he ends with, how will his time as a general manager be remembered by Celtics fans and Boston sports fans? I think it's going to be tough because at first, you know, the beginning of his tenure as GM, he made a lot of great deals he brought a championship to Boston and then turned those pieces when it was obviously time to let go into the draft picks that eventually got you Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I think Terry Rozier was one of those draft picks who obviously is with the Hornets now, but obviously we, was a, we were able, Danny H was able to turn Terry Rozier into getting Kemba Walker, which was kind of a big deal. Um, so you know, for a very long time, the standard with Danny Ainge was excellence. Because even if the Celtics haven't won a championship since 2008, they've been a very competitive team. And he's been working hard to build this young, new superstar power team. And I think it's unfortunate that this year is going to maybe cast a pall over this. Because as well as he's been in the past... This year was just not good. Not a lot of people are very thrilled with their draft picks. They're not mad about their draft picks, but, you know, it it, it came down to it would have been nice if they had, you know, either dealt some of those picks or traded up to get a higher pick. And then the stuff with Gordon Hayward, and obviously last year with Kyrie Irving, it's like, is even if the Celtics build around Jason Tatum, is this going to be a destination spot for the, for other players? Because they're not doing, they don't have a good track record the last couple of years with free agent signings. And I think that's going to maybe hurt the Celtics going forward there. You're not going to see a lot of people wanting to come play for the Celtics, even if it means playing with Jason Tatum, because they don't know what the, what the cultures are going to be in. Cause theoretically, if there was any free agent that was supposed to work out for the Celtics, it was Gordon Hayward because, you know, it was reuniting him with Brad Stevens and being that piece that he really needed with those life, with those young guys, but those young guys were like, we don't need him and they need something, but it wasn't him. And so it, it just turned out to be a nightmare. So I think that if we see the lasting effects of the botched free, free agent signings from the last couple of years trickle down from another couple of years, it's going to, you know, sink 
Danny Ainge's legacy to a little bit lower place. So, fair warning, this okay. is coming from a green teamer. Yes, it is. I think of myself as a rather level-headed green teamer. Okay. But I think we have to look at this as Danny Ainge has been a victim of his own decisions. Uh, because he's responsible for getting this team to two NBA finals. He obviously got the 2008 uh, NBA championship trophy. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget that the Celtics, as you said, have been one of the more successful teams in the NBA over the past, call it 15 years or so. We'll call it consistently successful. Well, you compare that to the success of, you know, the Knicks or the success. Uh, or... Well, sure, but you can't really compare it to the success of, like, the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> Well, that because that's when we start talking about drafting, and that's going to bring me to right. my next point here, and that is that Danny Ainge's drafting abilities has been a rather hot and cold, and I think he's yeah. going to be a hot and cold type of person when you talk about his legacy in Boston because obviously he did hit uh, on Jason Tatum. He did hit on Jalen Brown, Marcus right. Smart, uh, but for every Tatum, Smart, and um, Brown, you have to figure in a Langford. You have to figure mm -hmm. in a um, – a James Young, you have yeah. to figure in a player like a Tremont Waters who probably won't see a lot of time, a Carson Edwards. Right. Um, and as far as free agency goes, you know, he has swung and missed on a few of these free agents, but let's not forget that he took a chance on Isaiah Thomas, um, yeah. who turned out to be one of the more successful players uh, for the Boston Celtics in the past 20 years or so. Um, he has hit on other players like um, – you know, trying to think of a few off the bat here, looking at the Celtics roster here. You know, you have players like Daniel Tice, players who he's given an opportunity to, and they've mm -hmm. made the best of their opportunity. Yeah. Now, as far as free agency goes, Kyrie Irving, he was a trade uh, because of Isaiah Thomas. Danny Ainge called the Cavs and basically took Kyrie Irving off of the Cavaliers' hands for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, the Gordon Hayward signing, when that happened, if he didn't have that injury happen, I think the Celtics probably would have had a legitimate chance at the NBA Finals. Unfortunately, injuries did happen. Uh, there was a turnover because of that Game 7, I think, in the locker room. And now I think Ginnings has to try and figure things out as far as the next five years because it looks right. like it's going to be Tatum and Brown uh, at the head of the table for the Boston Celtics. Right. And these are players that, yes, they did sign long-term extensions for $100 million, they can opt out anytime or they can basically whine and bitch and moan and complain their way out of their contract. They can go ahead right. and demand a trade. So it's important now for Danny Ainge to continue keeping his foot on the pedal, keeping mm -hmm. that drive for banner 18 going. Right. Because if you don't continue to make Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown happy year three or the end of year two of the contract, if you're missing the Eastern conference semifinals, they're going right. to be getting traded out of here. I think, th I think the thing with the NBA draft is that you basically, it's almost impossible to miss if you have a top five pick. Because even no, it, it's not like football or baseball where you're trying to fill a specific position and you can't, because there are so many other positions out there, you're not always in tuned to who the experts say is the best at the position you're looking at. When it comes to basketball, Danny Ainge has never been drafted, be, drafting based on this is what we really need now. Because if that was the case, they would have found a freaking center in the last draft because that's what they needed. They just picked, oh, you know, this guy has the best three-point percentage in the whole draft. Like that's the things that they take the, the NBA is like, like that's what they based 
their draft picks on. And I think more than any other sport, it's like if these are the five guys that they're saying are the best in the draft, then the first five teams are going to pick those five guys. So I just, it, for me, I can't sit here and tell you that Danny Ainge is good at drafting because yeah, no shit. Jason Tatum was a good draft pick. Everyone knew that coming out of coming out of that draft, no matter where he went. Well, yeah. Top three in any draft, like it says, I could have drafted Jason Tatum. Um, But there was an additional signing made speaking of centers as uh, Tristan Thompson signed a two year, $19 million contract to come to the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit of a fanfare about this, given uh, Thompson's relationship to a certain family in the yeah. reality TV world. Yeah, I think we should just announce now a new segment on Out of Bounds. We're going to call it Keeping Up with the Boston Celtics. Um, every time we have to talk about this team that has suddenly become a reality show, well, that's what we're going to call it. Because Tristan Thompson is, at the very least, Khloe Kardashian's baby daddy. I think they're together. They might not be. I don't know. I can't, I, I don't really follow the Kardashians very often. I just no. think it's kind of funny. Um, ironically enough, and li- I want to tell a little bit of a story because I think people will, will know what I'm talking about. Two years ago, I believe, me, you, and Brian went to, we went to a Celtics game with Jeff, but we were not sitting with them. We were sitting on the other end of the court. We wanted to be antisocial. Yeah, we were being very antisocial. So the Celtics were playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, who at that point obviously had Tristan Thompson. Now, the weekend before we went to that game, Tristan Thompson um, was revealed to be cheating on, at that time, a pregnant Khloe Kardashian because of a video, like they, there was like video evidence of her, him cheating on her while she was pregnant with his child, which makes him kind of a scumbag. Um, and out of that game came one of my favorite Celtics memes of all, in history, and it's Marcus Morris screaming in Tristan Thompson's face after, I think he like blocked a shot or something, and they both went tumbling to the floor, and Marcus Morris just screaming in Tristan Thompson's face. We were lucky enough to be at that game now of course the Cavaliers were terrible that year and that's probably why we were at that game because the tickets were cheap but remembering that that was the first thing that popped into my mind when I read the notification that Tristan Thompson will be coming to the Celtics now when it comes to the pick the the pickup itself Tristan Thompson might not be you know the bit the best center in the league but I think he's a pretty decent one and the money isn't terrible. So on that level, I'm not upset about the Celtics picking up Tristan Thompson. However, if this, if I have to walk down, you know, Causeway street and like, there's a huge group of paparazzis following the Kardashian sisters around, I'm not going to be happy. I hate it when there's tourists in general, but if I'm stuck behind some jerks, that are following the Kardashians or God forbid Kanye West in Boston, I'm going to be so upset. I, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with the media nightmare. Now, lucky for us, the keep keeping up with the Kardashians, I double checked is in its last season. They're not doing another season, but these are the Kardashians we're talking about. So I'm sure in six months, they'll change their mind and one of them will have another series. And then we'll have to deal with cameras in Boston and then following the Celtics. And then Tristan Thompson will become like Lamar Odom and things will go to crap. It's going to be great. Can't wait. You feel better? 
Uh, why do I feel like the last like four or five episodes I've had like these crazy <laughs> rants and you're just like, I'm just going to let her talk. Yeah. I mean, I've learned as time goes on here, yeah, maybe it's just best That's to let you kind of decompress here. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this is a good sign for the Celtics from a basketball perspective, because now yeah. you give Daniel Tice a little bit of backup because last season, mm-hmm. Daniel Tice's backup was Robert Williams, who yeah. was injury prone but also Ennis Cantor, who is now with the uh, Portland Trailblazers through a trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cantor, he had to be in at the right situation. He couldn't play in the Miami Heat series because they played a lot of zone um, offense. And, you know, it's very hard for a player like Cantor to move around off the pick and roll and things like that. I think with Tristan Thompson, it gives you a little more flexibility, a little more athleticism Mm -hmm. at the five spot. Uh, But I just typed in Tristan Thompson's name into Wikipedia. Oh, just good. to get back to what you uh, were talking about with the Kardashians here, maybe oh, give us a little bit of clari- uh, clarity. I think they might be together, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Thompson was in a romantic relationship with Khloe Kardashian. In 2018, Kardashian gave birth to a daughter, True Thompson. Thompson was found to have cheated on Kardashian during her pregnancy. In February 2019, Kardashian and Thompson split amidst the rumors that Thompson had cheated on Kardashian with her younger half-sister, Kylie Jenner's best oh, friend, yes. Jordan I Woods. do remember this, yes. I do remember this. But the la- apparently, okay, so I have, you know, friends that do follow the Kardashians. And according to, I do. Um, <laughs> according to them, Chloe has posted some stuff that might imply that her and Tristan have gotten back together recently. And then that added on the fact that Kim Kardashian West posted on her Instagram story the other day, a congratulations to Tristan Thompson in a Celtics uniform, photoshopped, obviously, and with the caption, Boston, here we come. So brace yourselves, Boston. Now, Chris Humphreys, that was Kim that Kardashian's was at, significant other? Yeah, but we got him after the two of them divorced from ah. their 72-day marriage. Because I remember I went to one Celtics game while Chris Humphreys was playing for the Celtics and someone sitting behind the the one of the hoops um had a sign and every time Chris uh, Chris Jenner no not Chris Jenner Chris Humphreys um shot missed a shot he held it up and it said Kanye would have made it because she was already with Kanye West at that point okay well that does it for uh people tv for the day yep that's uh, our talk- pop culture segment keeping up with the kardashians all right so long story short as far as danny ainge goes i think he's trying to do the most he can yeah. because we're hearing about talks with the charlotte hornets and a trade mm-hmm. exception and that could be very yep. big because if the hornets go ahead and agree to a sign trade with a trade exception involved that gives the celtics a little bit more flexibility Mm-hmm. You're talking about between twenty and twenty-three million dollars, as far as uh, salary cap flexibility, right. if they go with the uh, sign and trade. But I think the Celtics roster still has a lot more work to go through here. Mm-hmm. I think you still have to try and build that center position, add yeah. another known player. Um, I think even with the three centers that you have right now, Thompson, Tice, and Williams, I mm-hmm. still think you need that player that's you know on the ninety-five bus between Portland and Boston, just to give that extra little help. Um, yeah. as we start the season off here because don't forget the NBA season starts in less than a month. It's so it, this off season has been so hard to keep up with because the NBA has such little time um, as, as, as an off season before the, the season starts in between the draft that it's like 
every time I go on Twitter, it's that there's a different deal being done and there's still players out there. And we still don't know what the future holds for James Harden and the Houston Rockets uh, or, you know, the Brooklyn Nets or the, whoever he wants to go to. Um, so there's still some questions, but you know, we got, we got a month about a little bit less than a month at this I think, point. I think it's going to be very interesting to see if Marcus Smart is a part of any of these trades because defensively, he's a player a lot of teams are going to want. So if sure. any get a lot of draft uh, capital or <sighs> get a couple of key players that can help the team out short term, yeah. I think he's going to go for a deal like that because I think, yeah. you know, the days of holding out for the first round picks, those are gone. Okay. Yeah. The past two occasions that's happened, it's blown up in their faces. Mm-hmm. Sacramento's pick and Memphis's pick, those didn't pan out well. Right. So, Well, people have caught up, caught on to what Danny Ainge is doing. I mean, after the trading Pearson Garnett and what Danny Ainge was able to do with those, with that draft cap or the trade capital, Everyone in the league is on on alert for him. He's like he's become the Bill Belichick of the NBA. Let's just be honest. Can barely draft, and everyone's afraid of him at this point. Well, it comes down to this: Danny Ainge always wants to win, like he did in that Brooklyn deal. There's right. trades out there that people would have done six times in a week, right. okay? But Danny Ainge always wants to have that advantage, mm-hmm. and you're seeing it with that Indiana deal. Honestly, if you're telling me that I could have traded you Gordon Hayward for Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and I mean, maybe a second round draft pick just to make sure the numbers line up or, you know, trade exception, I take that deal. Sure. Unfortunately, he wanted to hold out for TJ Warren or Victor Oladipo, who I think would have just continued to cloud up some of these shot numbers. Yeah. At this point here, you need to focus on the center position. That's why you lost against the Miami Heat, because you had Mm -hmm. Bam Adebayo knocking you around in the paint. It's not because because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were shooting awful because, you know, did they go through cold stretches? Yes. But in my opinion, if you go inside the paint, add another 15, 20 points in the series, you could be talking about the Celtics going to the NBA finals against LeBron and the Lakers. And I think that, you know, Tristan Thompson signing was actually a step in the right direction because he's a big rebound guy. Um, And not only that, but going back to what you said about the other centers on the team, Daniel Tice in the playoffs got himself into foul trouble a lot. And the problem was, well, but I, but I think now with a player like Tristan Thompson, he doesn't have to be on the court in those situations as much as he was um, in the, in the playoffs this year. And I think that'll help the Celtics a lot going forward. So just checking the numbers quickly on uh, Tristan Thompson, the last few seasons, as far as minutes per game goes, uh, last season, he played in 57 games, averaged 30 points a night. 2018-19, he played about 28 minutes a night in 43 games. And 2017-18, he played 20 minutes a night uh, in 53 games uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, Tristan right. Thompson coming to the Boston Celtics along with Jeff Teague to provide a little bit of backup for Kemba Walker, who will probably see a significant amount of games taken off of his workload yeah. as he continues to try and come back from his knee injury. Uh, so let's focus our attention now to the New England Patriots. Uh, I I remember at the start of the season, I just wanted to have the potential of having the Patriots hang into these games and make it close, give us something to yeah. talk about. Yeah. But the patience for that is quickly running out. Again, the Patriots yeah. lose 27-20. They fall to 4-6. and six, And it looks like this may be the loss that maybe knocks them out of playoff. Uh, yeah. 
um, contention here, despite whatever path people may think the Patriots have. I'm so sick of the path. <laughs> but let's talk about this game because for all the negative things you can say about the New England Patriots, I think you can say that many positive things about Deshaun Watson because he came out and he balled against mm-hmm. New England Patriots oh, sure. last yeah. Sunday. I think so, yeah. I Obviously, Houston has not had a very good season this year. And losing um, DeAndre Hopkins was huge. And then they got rid of Bill O'Brien as their coach and their GM. Um, so obviously they were not in a good spot, but I say, you know, I started on Twitter a lot just because the team's bad doesn't mean the quarterback's bad. And that's exactly what happened with a player like Deshaun Watson. He can take a bad team and actually makes something happen, which is something that we're not really being able to see with Cam Newton. He's got a, not a, he has not a very good offense right now. And I mean, even if he's playing well, he's not helping his team create opportunities to still make plays happen like Deshaun Watson does. And, you know, one of my biggest takeaways from this game is, you know, as much as it sucked to lose, and obviously that's going to be, you know, that's kind of ends their season with any hopes to make a playoff spot. But I think what, what dashed any hopes of them being good in the like as we move on through the rest of the season was the loss of Rex Burkhead. Now he tore his ACL and announced earlier that he will in fact be out for the rest of the season. And Rex Burkhead has been the most consistent offensive player all season. He was having a career year. Now obviously there are other some other good signs in the offense. Damian Harris has been playing well. Jacoby Myers has been playing well. The last game, Demir Bird was playing well. And while these guys are having good games, and I mean, even Cam Newton has had good games and he's had bad games. The only player on that offense that has had consistently good games every game was Rex Burkhead. And losing him is going to be kind of the last nail in the coffin, I think, even more so than the loss to Houston in in general. And, of course, Rex Burkhead was on my fantasy football team, so it only makes sense that he goes down with an ACL If it makes you feel better, my fantasy quarterback tore his ACL, his MCL, and has structural damage to his knee and will not be seeing the field probably for another year or so. Hey, my team got hosed. I got beat by two quarterbacks, but that's another story for another time. Uh, Uh, Yeah, Taysom Hill trick. (laughs) Demir Bird, six receptions. For 132 yards, the best offensive performer on the day in a touchdown reception. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Houston Texans had the league's worst run defense. If yeah. you have the league's worst run defense that you're facing off with, if you're mm-hmm. Bill Belichick or Josh McDaniels, what do you think you should probably try and do in a game like this against Houston Texans where it's basically win or go mm-hmm. home as far as playoff hopes goes? Maybe run the ball? That would make sense. I mean, you would think running it more than 24 times for Mm -hmm. 86 yards, you know, maybe do a little more than that. Just to put this into, you know, a good comparison here, the Patriots' 86 yards are spread out among five players. The Mm -hmm. Houston Texans had 55 yards of uh, run offense among three players. So you had three players give your five um, rushers a run for their money. Right. Unfortunately, yeah, I, you can't ask Cam Newton to throw the ball too much because apparently 40 is his magic number. I went back and looked at his entire career. I put this out on Twitter that Cam Newton is in his entire career when he throws 40 or more passes, three 
16 and one, including two playoff losses. That's insane. Unfortunately, this game just kind of made the glaring uh, deficiencies of Bill Belichick yeah. more evident. You didn't have, you know, a lot of your drafted players uh, played significant role here. Damian Harris did have 11 carries for 43 yards, yeah. um, but you didn't have a tight end, which we've said is something that the Patriots needed Haven't all year. Had one in a, year. a tight yeah. end would have been crucial for this game. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. nobody was there. Ryan Izzo had two receptions for 59 yards, but a lot of that came on that Hail Mary third down play. Right. Um, but the offensive line is something that worried me. Obviously, Isaiah right. Wynn went down with about three plays to go in the game. Uh, but Cam Newton just wasn't given really any time. And he had four passes batted down by J.J. Watt. Four passes was by an Absolutely NFL quarterback insane. got batted down. And it's one thing to go ahead and say, you know what? It was a bad day for me. Um, he's a NFL player. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Cam Newton can't continue to be this aw shucks type of player. Uh, yeah, it's driving me crazy. He has to take crazy. some of the weight on his shoulders. Yeah. The way he throws the football drives me crazy. It's so low. Like, I don't understand how every pass he throws doesn't get batted down because it's, like, directly at the defensive line that he throws the ball. And oddly enough, the one pass that he didn't throw into the ground, guess what happened? He connected with Demir Bird for one of the best plays I've seen all Mm -hmm. season long. Yeah. A 42-yard strike. That was a thing of beauty. That may have been the best Patriots play all season long, maybe except for that trick play on – Sunday night football. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I was like, I, I just remember thinking like, if we could just figure out a way to get this to happen more than once a game, the Patriots would be rolling right now. But apparently Cam Newton only has the capabilities of doing that once a game. So I just, it, it, it's starting to get to the point where it's like, this is probably going to be a failed experiment year. Maybe it's time to start thinking about drafting a quarterback. I just don't want to see that Cam Newton gets re-signed by the New England Patriots. Because if he gets signed by the New England Patriots, it's going to be for a stupid amount of money. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, because we already know that Bill Belichick thinks he underpaid Cam Newton because of their cap space issues. So you know that if they do re-sign him, Bill Belichick's not even just going to pay him well, but he's probably going to try to make up for this year. All right, so that's a look at the Patriots as – well, their season's probably over now, so yeah, yeah. kind of kick back and relax for the next few weeks. Watching um, the games. <laughs> let's talk about the other games coming up this week. Uh, week 11. Uh, Thanksgiving week. 12, week. I, week 12. Week yep, 12. Week there 12. we go. It's week 12. Uh, starting on Thanksgiving coming up Thursday, we have three games on Thanksgiving to choose from, but we also have a lot of other games to choose from as we look mm-hmm. at the picks uh, segment of the program. And I – it's gotten to the point now where I just watch the games now, not even to see who wins or loses, but just, just to, to see, see if, if you my win. pick wins. Yeah. That's a, that was me last night in the Bucks Rams game. I don't, I'm not one of those Patriots players that are Patriots fans that's actively waiting for Tom Brady to fail, but I picked the Rams. So I was like, Oh my, every time he threw that in, an interception, I was like, yes, I'm going to. And cause I, and I did end up in fact being better than you would picks last week. You went two and four and I went three and three. Well, just to add something to that Rams, um, Bucks game. There was something that came yeah. out on ESPN. Brady was picked off a couple times, I believe. Oh, I saw this. Those yep. two interceptions was by the 199th pick in the 2020 NFL draft. So yeah, kind of cool. It's kind of karma, and maybe yeah. maybe that's maybe that's the NFL God's way of telling Tom Brady it's time to go. 
All right, so we've as got we a did, new 199th pick in town. <laughs> as we did last week, so this way I don't get accused of cheating. I have uh, let Mary choose the games that we will be uh, picking here. All right, let's not lie here. Be... You forgot to choose the games. That well, was in my happened. defense. I had no idea we were going to do a podcast until what Sunday night, Monday morning, yeah, somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah, Re- whenever the Tristan Thompson signing was, I was like, we got We just got to do this because we can't skip some of this us week. Have, Unfortunately, some of us have other jobs that, you know, depend right. on, like, turkeys being sold and pies being <laughs> sold. So, on well, the bright I mean, side, I'm getting my workout lifting these turkeys. On the bright side, it, you're a Roach Brothers employee, and obviously Robin Hayward really loves Roach Brothers employees. Not as much as she loves the police officers that apparently have to check in on her every single day. Which which story is she talking about? I think they're in Wellesley. It has to be a, yeah, it has to be a Wellesley or a West Rocks very type of there's situation. a well there's a west roxbury there's definitely a store in roxbury but i think it might be a brother's market or brother's marketplace and not a roach brothers yeah they seem like friendly people over there she's probably on something Just um okay so <laughs> well, now we'll see off... who actually listens to this podcast yeah <laughs> um let's start off with the thanksgiving game that's going to have huge implications on this division standings. The Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys, they are both three and seven, but tied for second place with the Giants and the NFC East. Well, here's the thing that I think is going to make a significant difference. And that's Mm -hmm. the fact that this game is taking place in Dallas, where there's going to be probably north of 30,000 fans in attendance. Um, Dallas still has a lot of their offensive weapons playing for them. Obviously, yeah. they don't have Dak Prescott, but they still have CeeDee Lamb. They right. still have um, Ezekiel Elliott. They still have their tight end Schultz. So mm-hmm. I think on Thanksgiving in Dallas, you know Jerry Jones, if they lose this game, he's going <laughs> to probably make them eat humble pie for the next two weeks. So I'm going to take oh, the Cowboys on this one. Um. This one is going to be interesting, I think, because one, Alex Smith has kind of started to get his, like, his rhythm going and is doing a little bit better than he was um, in his first appearance. However, so is Andy Dalton. Now that Andy Dalton is back and maybe has a little bit more chemistry with guys like CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, I think that Andy Dalton just by the nature of the fact that he has better receivers than Alex Smith does to work with, that he will end up victorious, and I'm also going to take the Cowboys. Even though I I really do get enjoyment out of seeing the Cowboys lose, but I think they'll win this one. I mean, this is going to be dumpster fire either way. I think that's a given when we have things like this, so... Um, next, we have the Thanksgiving primetime matchup, the 6-4 and four Ravens at the 10-0 and 0 Steelers. I think that this is going to be the game that makes or breaks Baltimore for the rest of the season because they've now lost to the Patriots and the Titans back-to-back, and the Titans seem to just be the, the monkey that they cannot get off their back because the Titans are who they lost to in the playoffs last year. And though they had though they had the same record, arguably Lamar Jackson is the better quarterback, and they have you know some other pieces. Now, obviously, the Titans have Derrick Henry, and kind of he's just the trump card for most of these matchups when it comes to the Titans. But 
the fact that the Ravens weren't able to bounce back to that from that loss in Foxborough to beat the Titans worries me for them. And because of that, I'm going to go with the Steelers. So just before I get to the pick here, um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of an interesting thing. I think that makes me kind of second guess how big that win was on Sunday night football, seeing the, right. the way they came out and, um, you know, got beat by the Titans. Granted, it wasn't overtime. They got right. beat by Derrick Henry. Tell me what team yeah. hasn't gotten beat by Derrick Henry. Right. Uh, but still, if the Ravens lose this game coming up on Thanksgiving night, then I think that win by the Patriots against the Ravens, that gets shrunk down just a little bit. And all of a sudden, yeah. it's just a win against the okay Ravens team. Right. Now, I will say one interesting storyline that came out of this uh, matchup between Pittsburgh and Baltimore coming up on Thursday night is that there were two positive COVID tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Ingram, right. J.K. Dobbins, both testing positive. Yeah. Um, and obviously, those are two very important parts of the running game and those quick pass-catching games yeah. that um, Lamar Jackson can turn to. And the fact that this game came down basically to a goal-line stand against Pittsburgh the first time these two teams met, you yeah. know Pittsburgh has had this game circled to the right. point where a lot of people had the game against the Jaguars as a trap game for the Steelers. Right. But to me, the Steelers, if, I think this is the point now at 10-0 where teams start looking at a, t- a team like the Steelers and going, well, they beat a team, but they only won by this much. So, right. you know, do I think they're on, you know, a perfect type of football team? So I think this is going to be a prove-it game for Ben Roethlisberger, uh, okay. Mike Tomlin, and the rest of the Steelers. And for that reason, I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. All righty. Um, the next game I have is the seven, another division game, the 7-3 and three Titans at the 7-3 and three Colts. That game's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. <clears throat> because obviously you talked a lot about the Titans and the success they've had. Uh, the Colts are coming off of an overtime victory against the Green Bay Packers. But there was one thing that came out of that game, and that was um, Phillip Rivers' um, leg getting hurt in that game. So you have to wonder if there's going to yeah. be any lingering impacts in that game mm-hmm. against a defensive front like the Titans have. This game's in Indianapolis, yes. right? Yes, so for that reason, I'm going to go with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. I think this is going to be a close game. I would probably take the under as far as the point spread if you're into that type of thing. But right. entertainment um, purposes. I honestly think this one is going to be a toss-up. I think this is going to come down to a, a one-score game and that both quarterbacks are going to come out here and do their best. And I think what's going to happen is that this game – might come down to a one kick. And Steven Goskowski has been having a very hot and cold season. And this Rodrigo Blankenship guy in who I lost to twice in two different football and fantasy football leagues this year or this week rather. Um has been pretty good. Obviously he had the game winner um this weekend, but he also missed a field goal this weekend. I think I'm going to put, you know, I was going to say the Colts, but I'm going to take the Titans because we've picked the same games going forward or since, I mean, already. So I'm going to go Titans. You've, you've bullied me into picking the Titans. That's what I'm here for. Tis the season for some bullying. Yeah. Um, especially, I need to like pick some games against you, especially because I know for a fact that I'm going to lose at least one of these games, but we'll get to that as our last pick. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> now let's I'm gonna we're gonna go to the what I think is gonna be one of the more interesting games of the week, the nine and one Chiefs at the seven and four Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is gonna be a fun game to watch. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, think this might be the Patrick Mahomes actual Tom Brady revenge game. Because obviously that stuff that happened in the AFC championship a couple years ago. The Patriots really won because of a coin flip and that kind of pissed people off and blah, blah, blah. They want to see Patrick Mahomes win. Well, luckily they did the year later. So it was not something to be too hard about, but you know, every time the, the chiefs have played Tom Brady as a Patriot, the Patriots have had a lot of stuff going on that has was not able to necessarily stop Pat Mahomes completely, but stop him enough that the damage wasn't huge. And I think in order to go against a coach like Andy Reid, who is obviously one of the best and most longest tenured coaches in the NFL, you need another good coach. And I don't think there are very many or any good coaches on that Buccaneer staff at all because they make stupid mistakes week in and week out. And because of that, because of the coaching and not necessarily the quarterbacks, I'm going to take the Chiefs. So looking at this game, there's a lot of intriguing factors. And I think of, if you line everything up, how does it favor each team here? Looking at the mm -hmm. offense, obviously, Patrick Mahomes has players like Tyreek Hill, Le'Veon Bell, Travis Kelsey. Tom Brady has players like Rob Gronkowski and a pinch if he needs him. Uh, but also Cameron Brate. Then you look at the wide receivers. Mike Evans had himself a great game on Monday Night Football. Uh, but you also have Chris Godwin. You have Antonio Brown, who's starting to work his way more into the system, whether you like him or hate him. Uh, he's starting to become more and more a part of this offense. And you have to wonder yeah. if the if the game plan involves Brown a little bit more coming up this Sunday. Mm -hmm. Then you look at the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, the Chiefs have Tyran Matthew. Uh, but I've been very impressed with this Buccaneers defense. I've talked about them all season long mm -hmm. um, and Todd Bowles and how he dials up different blitz packages here. You have to wonder if this game does come down to a battle of the secondaries. Mm -hmm. And I think the secondary for the Buccaneers is just a hair better than the uh, Chiefs. And they and the Chiefs came obviously really close to losing that game in Vegas. So maybe yeah. they had a little bit of fear instilled in them going into this game. Maybe they were looking ahead of the Raiders into this game. Yeah. Who knows? But I'm going to take the Buccaneers. This game is in Tampa. And <clears throat> I think this is going to come down to not just defense, but more the secondary and yeah. maybe a costly interception. But I think offensively, right. this game has the potential to look like that Rams um, Chiefs game on Monday Night Football a couple of years yeah. ago that where both teams were in the 50s. Yeah, and I, I agree with you when it comes to the Bucks defense. They've been playing incredible. And the offense has just been letting them down. Last night's game against the Rams, I feel like every single time I looked up, some of the other team had the ball. Because it was, especially in that, the late third quarter and the entirety of the fourth quarter, they were just, the defense was just rolling. And really the only reason the Bucks lost was because of that last interception by Tom Brady. If he hadn't thrown that, they would have easily won that game. But you have to I wonder. If, sorry, you have to wonder if that maybe was a trap game for the Buccaneers going into this matchup. It's possible, but I also just i I just can't see Bruce Arians being able to outcoach Andy Reid at the end of the day. Um, 
Now, I, it occurred to me with this next game that there are only, you know, a few really actual decent games on this week. Crazy. Um, but this one was the most evenly matched bad game that I could this find. This is a good so, promo for the NFL. We don't right. have any good games this week, but we have an evenly matched, matched bad game. game among bad yeah. Exactly. So I got the Carolina Panthers that are four and seven at the four and six Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. I'm going to go with the Panthers, um, especially okay. PJ Walker starting. He's been riding the hot streak. Obviously he came to the NFL from the XFL where he was unbeaten mm-hmm. there. He won his first game against the Lions. Granted it was the Lions, uh, but I think the Vikings will put up a little bit more of a test, but I still think that um, we talk about Robbie Anderson. I think that kind of gives you that emergency exit yep. for a couple of packages and uh, Mike Davis as well. And you have to wonder if Christian McCaffrey's going to play as well. Right. Um, my biggest issue going into this game when it comes to the Vikings is the status of Adam Thielen, who tested positive for the coronavirus after this game this past weekend. So obviously we don't know if he'll be playing. I'm gonna. My estimation is that he will not be playing this week because if he tested positive on Sunday, I don't think that gives him enough time to get three negative tests, but I could be wrong. You never really know. Um, but because of, but as, assuming that Adam Thielen is not playing, I don't see much that the Vikings can do that the Panthers won't be able to stop. So I'm going to also go with the Panthers. And finally, the, you know, our game of the week, the six and four Arizona Cardinals at the four and six New England Patriots. Hmm. So many choices, so little time. Yeah, this game's gonna be. I actually think this game's gonna be a little closer than a lot of people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. But I still think the Cardinals are a team that is actually playing for something when you talk about yeah. a division uh, championship. But at the very least, right. a wild card spot. And I've been kind of, I'm becoming more and more of a fan of the Arizona Cardinals. To me, as far as teams, yeah. that I'm a real big fan on it. Goes Buccaneers, Cardinals, um, the Dolphins. I'm starting to become more of a fan on. Of course you are. Fan of, so. I knew you would jump that ship as soon as the Patriots started getting bad. No, I'm still a Patriots fan. I'm just saying that, you know, seeing a team like the Dolphins and what they can do, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it's mm-hmm. impressive watching them every week just to see yeah, what they Yeah, no, do. you're right. I mean, I'm you're still right. a Patriots fan. I wear my jersey. I get made fun of every week wearing my jersey, so. I would have I um, had us pick the Dolphins game if they were playing anyone but the New York Jets. <laughs> But they are, so we're not even going to bother with that. We, well, I mean, we, we both know what the outcome of that game is going to be. Well, we picked the Jets-Patriots game, and that one almost blew up in our faces. And right, the Jets but faces. I, I, had to, I had to pick up Tua off of waivers this week, too, because my quarterbacks for fantasy this year were Drew Brees and Joe Burrows, and they're both injured. So I needed a new quarterback going into this next week, um, even though my record is the exact same as the Jaguars right now. There you go. Don't Just laugh start... too hard. The only win I have is against you. So I got, I still say I got hosed in fantasy football, sure. but uh, so that'll do it for us. Every... Oh, we didn't actually pick the Cardinals Patriots game. Are you trying oh, to I end did. this? I, before... I did. I, I said the Cardinals. Sorry. No, you didn't. Oh, yeah. We Fine, started Cardinals. talking about, we tra- started talking about the dolphins. Um, some, I... animal, some animal, some mammal. I love Kyler Murray. 
And I, I re- like you said, I'm all, I've also became a bandwagon Arizona Cardinals fan this year. Stay right and tie. Yep, but I uh, said that I was going to constantly pick the Patriots, so here we go. Patriots. Patriots by a million. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. No, it's definitely not going to happen. Uh, so oh, well. that, that'll do it here on Thanksgiving week as we get set to uh, eat Thanksgiving turkey, mashed potato stuffing, all that good stuff set up trees and Charlie Brown trees like I have behind me. So I, I was very impressed with what I did setting up a tree. So that's I'm my, proud of you. That's my one accomplishment for the month. I'm proud of you. All right. So for Mary, I'm John. We'll talk to you later.